Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The so close, so close, and yet so far edition as we take an in-depth look back at another heartbreaking loss for the Bengals as a field goal on the final play of the game gave the Arizona Cardinals a 26-23 win at Paul Brown Stadium. Coming up, you'll hear radio replays, locker room comments from players and coaches, and Dave Lapham will join me for post-game analysis. Plus, in this week's Fun Facts conversation, we'll meet the person under the pads as I'll talk to the best ping pong player on the Bengals roster. Stay tuned to find out who it is. All of that is straight ahead, but first, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean. It's the greatest invention since the Wilson Junior Size Football. I've got a 13-year-old son who loves running pass patterns in the backyard and catching passes from his old man. We are currently using the Wilson brand Junior Size Football for ages 9 and up. And I am here to tell you, it is the easiest football to throw ever made. It's a slightly smaller size and has a very tacky grip. At the risk of bragging, I am a mixture of Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, and Kenny Anderson when I use it. So a big thumbs up to the Wilson Junior Size football. Let's get to this week's game. For approximately five minutes on Sunday, the Bengals did exactly what they and we have been hoping for. The defense got a three and out on Arizona's opening possession, and then Joe Mixon, remember him, went to work. After an incomplete pass by Andy Dalton on the Bengals' first play, their next six were handoffs to Joe Mixon for 9, 3, 13, 5, 18, and 9 yards to put the Bengals in the red zone. Unfortunately, that's where the drive stalled, an all-too-familiar theme in 2019. It'll be a chip shot, a 23-yard try for Randy Bullock out of the hold of Kevin Huber. He catches a high snap, puts it down. Bullock's kick is on its way. It is good. And the Bengals score inside the Gold Star red zone. So the Bengals had an early lead, but left four points on the board. Here's Andy Dalton. We have to score touchdowns. You can't keep kicking field goals. You're not going to win games if you're kicking field goals. So um, for us, we got, we got to look at it and we got to see what we can do better in the red zone. Um, because, I mean, we, we, you got to score touchdowns on there. On that opening drive, it felt like Mixon was going to have a career day. But after rushing for 57 yards on his first six carries, his next seven went for a total of six yards. I talked to offensive lineman Trey Hopkins about Mixon's fast start. We finally got a consistent string of runs, and we, we ran on first down and were efficient with it, so we were able to keep keep going with that with that drive. Um, it was nice. I mean, we had a couple instances of that uh, this game, just, you know, being efficient on first down, run or pass, um, helps a lot, helps a lot. But as an offensive lineman, of course, being a run or being able to run the ball is nice. Did they make big changes, X's and O's wise, up front to slow that down, or did their guys just start making better plays? Um, no, I mean they're 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 good front. They get paid also, and they just they just made some plays. Um, that slowed us down a little bit, but you know, it's a long game, and I mean both sides of the ball are getting paid. Both sides of the ball have good athletes, so it's it's a battle. The Bengals' early three nothing lead didn't last. On their second possession, the Cardinals drove to the Cincinnati six, where they faced fourth and two. Rather than kick a tying field goal. 
Head coach Cliff Kingsbury elected to go for it. Fourth down and two at the Bengals' six-yard line. Cincinnati leading 3-0. Murray hands it, faked it to Johnson, sprints out to the left. He's got the first down. He lurches toward the end zone, and it's a Cardinals touchdown. That's the first lead of the season. The Cardinals were the only team in the NFL that had never held a lead this year. Yes, even the Dolphins led for nearly four minutes in the first quarter before losing by 20 last week to the Chargers. The Bengals and Cardinals traded field goals in the second quarter before Arizona added another one on the final play of the first half. One second left in the half. A chip shot field goal for Gonzalez. His Ooh. kick is good. And Arizona will take a seven-point lead to the locker room. Arizona led 13-6 at the half, and that field goal means that Bengals opponents have scored in the final two minutes of the first half in 28 of the Bengals' last 37 games. That's 76% of the time. A hard-to-believe stat, courtesy of Jay Morrison, who covers the Bengals for the Athletic. Andy Dalton was 4 for 10 for a paltry 22 yards in the half. But the Bengals got their passing game going to begin the third quarter. Andy was 7 for 10 on the opening drive of the second half. But after having first and goal at the 8, the Bengals failed to score a touchdown again. The snap, the put down, the spin of the laces, the kick is up, and it is good. For the season, the Bengals have scored four touchdowns on 14 drives into the red zone. That's 29%. Not nearly good enough, according to Tyler Boyd. Man, I can't really, you know, put my finger on it, you know, but that's the difference in the game. You know, us not scoring touchdowns, you know, getting three, three points, three points, that ain't cutting it, that ain't how you win football games, that ain't how you get to the playoffs. Despite the red zone woes, the Bengals were only down by four with less than two minutes to go in the third quarter when a curious play call proved costly. On fourth down and one, Dalton is in the shotgun. Mixon now will shift from the quarterback's left to his right. Dalton fake to Mixon. And no. he does not get back to the line of scrimmage. He is lifted off the ground like he was crowd surfing short of the first down. All right, I know that hindsight is 20-20, but why teams don't just run a quarterback sneak on fourth and short is a mystery to me. It seems like a shotgun snap increases the defense's chances of getting penetration into the backfield. But what do I know? The fourth down stop gave Arizona great field position and a former Bengal made them pay. Third down and seven for Arizona at the 39 of Cincinnati. Murray clapping his hands. He catches the shotgun snap. He floats it down the middle of the field. A oh. diving attempt. Whoa. What a catch. Wow. At the 11-yard line by Pharaoh Cooper, the former Bengal, albeit briefly, just made a spectacular diving catch. Pharaoh Cooper played for the Bengals in week one, then got waived after week two when they needed an extra offensive lineman. Here's safety Jesse Bates on Cooper's great catch. A hell of a catch by him. Um, hell of a throw by Kyler Murray as well. Um, those plays that we can, we can live with, as long as they don't score on those, you know, they're, this is the NFL. Um, there's a lot of good athletes, good players, and they're going to make plays, but we just got to um, you know, make sure those aren't happening as, uh, as much. That catch was the difference between punting and kicking a field goal and the Cardinals took a seven-point lead early in the fourth quarter. Things looked bleak for the Bengals when the Cardinals scored again on their next drive. First and 10 at the 37. Here's a toss sweep to the left. Edmonds running, breaks through an ankle tackle. He's down the near sideline, inside the 10, the 5, 3-2-1, touchdown, Arizona. Boy, that's a, that's a blow right there. 
That is just a shot right to the chin. And again, fake the handoff on a jet sweep and then just pitched it back the other way. And they get blocking on the edge. Larry Fitzgerald gets the block and then just sloppy tackling. Missed tackles. I mean, the blocking's good in the perimeter. But, man, when you're the, when you're the unblocked guy making make the tackle like Bates was, you cannot miss that tackle. Unfortunately, he did, and the Bengals were down 23-9. to At that point, between the Pittsburgh game and the Arizona game, the Bengals had gone 17 drives without scoring a touchdown, a streak they finally ended by driving 79 yards on 10 plays. Three receivers out to the left. Auden Tate out to the right. Bernard in the backfield to the right of Andy Dalton. Dalton throws it into the end zone. Touchdown to Auden Tate. Nice. The first touchdown in two games for Cincinnati as Auden Tate cut inside of his defender and reeled in the touchdown catch from two yards away. His first NFL touchdown of his career. That made it 23-16, and the defense promptly got a three and out to put the ball right back in the hands of Andy Dalton. Bengals are going to line up quickly. They're ready to snap it at the Arizona 42. This drive started back at the Cincinnati 19. Dalton back to throw. The protection is good. Fires deep downfield. Ford is open. He catches it at the 10 and runs into the end zone for a Bengals touchdown. Wow. Man, Tyler Boyd, Dan, middle of the football field. He made the play earlier in the drive, and then he made that play. Outstanding throw. The first play of the drive was a 29-yard pass to Boyd, and the last play was that 42-yard touchdown pass. Tyler finished with 10 catches for 123 yards. Sick of losing, sick of, you know, not finishing the way we want to. You know, we always finish strong, but we never started. We just got to uh, just, just stay, stay the course, man, and just uh, believe in each other the whole four quarters, man. Just continue to fight and execute. And don't wait till the last minutes to finally get it going. The game was tied with exactly two minutes to go. But two big plays by Kyler Murray won the game for Arizona. The first was a 24-yard pass. The second was this 24-yard run. Second down and six at the Cincinnati 39 with 53 seconds to go. Kyler Murray catches the shotgun snap. Now he takes off and runs. All sorts of running room down the middle of the field. He's at the 25, the 20, and Clayton Fedulum saves the touchdown by tackling Kyler Murray at the 15-yard line. The Heisman Trophy winner finished with 253 yards passing and 93 rushing. Here's Sam Hubbard. Can you describe what it's like to try to contain Kyler Murray when he takes off? Yeah, it's tough because you you pick a side trying to win a pass rush, and uh, he sees Lane, he's gone. So... Really got to rush with vision, which you know slows down how you how you're rushing. Um, it's a tough task, and what makes him so dangerous, um, you know, it's hard. Do you think that's what kind of stopped the pass rush? Was you were trying to make sure you guys were trying to make yeah, sure you we're trying to keep him in the pocket, and make him throw the ball, and uh, you know, just to not give him lanes to get out of there because as soon as he saw something, he was out. After Murray's run, the Bengals' only hope was that Zane Gonzalez would choke on a game-winning field goal try to allow the Bengals to take the game to overtime. So here we go. Two seconds on the clock. A 31-yard field goal try to win the game for third-year pro Zane Gonzalez. Lee is ready for the snap. He puts it down. The kick is up. The kick is good. And the Arizona Cardinals get their first win and drop the Bengals to 0-5. The final score, 26-23.
Arizona. Here are two second-year Bengals, Jesse Bates and Sam Hubbard, on falling to 0 and 5. You know, we can't just keep patting ourselves on the back for, you know, having close games and fighting at the end and stuff like that. We got to win. Um, I know that's what the fans want. That's what the guys upstairs want. That's what everybody in this locker room wants. So, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of people that continue to bash us about being 0 and 5. Um, but all that matters is what's in this locker room, and it's about us. There's no option. You know, we got a lot of games left to play, and it's a team game. You can't go out there and win the game by yourself. So we have to stick together and uh, you know, just keep fighting and try and get some wins. Uh, that's all we can do. We can't, we can't fall apart. Since the Cardinals and Broncos both picked up their first victories on Sunday, there are now four winless teams left in the NFL. The Bengals and Redskins are 0-5. The Jets and Dolphins are 0-4. After Sunday's three-point loss, Lapp spent about four minutes with head coach Zach Taylor. Coach, the NFL, three of the five games, you know, you got a tie football game late or a lead late in the fourth quarter, just can't close it out, just can't quite finish it. You're right there on the on the doorstep on the brink, but, man, it's something has to happen to just finish it, right? You're right. We, we get, someone's just got to step up and make that play. And um, as coaches, we got to keep fighting to put ourselves in opportunities where guys can step up and do it. We just haven't done it yet. And... Um, it's going to happen. We keep believing, and uh, no one's no one's pointing fingers. Uh, we know we got to earn these wins, and uh, when we earn it, it's going to feel good. This game, it was a matter of just digging a hole. It was too hard to crawl out of, and you know you got to give the uh, the credit about fighting back and doing that and digging out of that hole. But and that's hard when you dig that big a hole in the NFL, isn't it? Yeah, a, a, a bad team that's given up digs himself in that hole, and the game's over. And that wasn't what we were today. Our guys fought back, believed they were going to win. Uh, we scored that last touchdown to tie it up, and we felt like, hey, we're going to get this stop, and we're going to go win this game. That was the common theme on the sidelines, and unfortunately they made some plays, and and they got that field goal, and they, they got away with one. Their quarterback, you made mention of it during the course of the week, Kyler Murray, he's got, like, quick twitch now. I mean, he's short space quickness. I mean, some guys can make you miss but can't run away. Some guys can run away but can't make you miss. This dude can make you miss and run away. I mean, he's he's a special guy that will be rushing for 90 yards like he did. I don't know if you can make a steady diet, a living of that, being a quarterback running the football like he is, but, man, he makes plays. He, he's dangerous. He's the first pick in the draft for a reason. He's a, a unique talent, uh, really stresses the defense, and he made some plays today. Again, um, horizontally, it seems to be everybody's trying to challenge, you know, your defense, making it defend from one sideline to another with motion, misdirection, counters, all that sort of thing. Um, difficult today as well, wasn't it? Yeah, but I go back. We, we need to score more points in the first half, take the pressure off them, because really we go into halftime. Um, they're, they're routinely keeping these guys to 10 points and under, and, you know, we, we got to be um, – a little bit more aggressive on offense and get things going and score some points and take the pressure off them going in the second half. I know it's never one thing, but in your mind, as you as you reflect back on not just this game, but other games, the red zone is seeming like the twilight zone a little bit. What, what do you what do you think the biggest things are in the red zone? Well, when the opportunities come our way, we gotta we gotta take advantage of the plays that are there. And so far, we kind of had two weeks in a row where we've left some points on the field that we feel like. Uh, we just got to step up and make that play and, and keep working to get us in the best calls that give us opportunities. And uh, But you're right, that's been frustrating, leaving all those points on the field. You guys did a good job of controlling those edge rush guys, but there were times where it was like two, three-man routes. The touchdown tower looked like it was maybe a two, possibly a three-man route. I mean, you had that schemed out pretty well. You wanted to make sure you had time to, to get the ball down the field vertically like that. Yeah, you're right. That was one that takes a little bit more time, so we're going to make sure we keep people in protection. And, um, you know, we got two receivers out plus the back. 
plus, you know, um, that that group is they're pretty good edge rushers we talked about. I, I think Andy got hit on the, the touchdown drive before the drive that tied it. They were blitzing. They weren't playing prevent. They were bringing bringing pressure. Andy's getting rid of the ball, you know, and taking taking a hit. And uh, you know, he was when you blitz, there's there's areas of vacated, and he was finding those things. Yeah, there was. He, he had some. They were bringing their best stuff. They they got a, a pretty good blitz package. That's why our third down package. We're trying to move the ball on the perimeter a little bit. Uh, take the pressure off those guys up front. He stood in there. Yeah, they, they brought their best stuff. We protected as best we could. He took a couple shots, but um, guys started making plays there in the fourth quarter. Finally, Coach, I don't expect you to tell us what you're telling your team. You know, that's that's between you and your football team, but what what kind of message, you know, do you give your football team right now uh, working like they're working and just coming up short like they are? Keep fighting. We believe in each other. We believe in what we're doing. The wins are going to come. Um, it's frustrating that it hasn't happened yet, but but we got the right people in this building that's going to help us get it done. Now time for some post-game analysis, and we start with an obvious point. The Bengals can't show up in the last five minutes and expect to win games. That was Zach Taylor's message of the team. The, the guys that I saw in the last five minutes, you got to do it earlier than that. You know, 55 minutes of, of not getting it done, very, very disappointing. I mean, they dug too big a hole. That's a huge hole in the National Football League. How about Arizona throwing the football in their last two drives? They, they gave the Bengals a chance. They ran the ball for 266 yards. Well, I, you know, I would have had my two threats, Murray and Johnson, just run the ball, run the clock. I mean, they're giving the Bengals a chance by throwing the ball and throwing incompletions. You know, I couldn't believe that they were allowing that to happen. But, you know, the Bengals took advantage of it and scored two touchdowns to, to make it a game, tie the football game up. And then, you know, when they had to, Arizona ran the football again a little bit and, and uh, ran the clock down and kicked the field goal. So, um, very unfortunate. I mean, 266 yards rushing, averaged over seven yards a carry. They had Murray and Johnson both run the ball for over 90 yards. Joe Mixon ran it for over 90 yards. He came one rush short. I said if he had 20 carries, they'd win the game. He had 19. But, you know, could have won the football game, just didn't play well enough. You know, made a valiant comeback effort, obviously. But you can't rely or depend on something like that in in the National Football League, you're going to come up short more times than not. Let's talk about Joe Mixon's day. Six straight running plays on the opening drive for 57 yards. It looked like he was going to have the biggest game of his NFL career. Then for the next two and a half quarters, the Cardinals completely shut him down before he got it going again late in the game and wound up with 93 yards on 19 carries. Six, uh, six rushes for 57, then he goes seven rushes for six, then he goes three for 23 to start the uh, second half. So he's, you know, it's a little bit of a roller coaster ride. I do think after that first drive, you know, Arizona said, all right, look, we're not going to let you run the football. You're going to have to throw the football. You're down a bunch of receivers. You know, uh, we've got two good edge pass rushers. We're going to make sure that you don't get that running game going the way you got it going in that first drive. They stayed in base defense, but they did. They made, you know, some minor adjustments, I think, that in terms of technique and attacking line of scrimmage rather than catching at the line of scrimmage, it looked like to me. Um, and they got a lot more aggressive and and uh, said, you know, you're going to have to throw the football some and not just run the ball down our throats. But, again, Dan, red zone. I mean, it's the twilight zone. It's amazing. They just can't uh, can't get it done in the red zone when they needed to get it done. And last year they converted over 71% of the time for touchdowns in the red zone. They were third in the NFL in that category, and now they're in danger of being, if not dead last, second last in the NFL, I think, in red zone touchdown percentage. Let's talk about the offensive line lap. After giving up eight sacks and 12 quarterback hits against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Andy Dalton was not sacked. Did you see significant progress? I saw a significant scheme change. 
Tyler Eifert was in to pass protect. Giovanni Bernard was in to pass protect. I mean, they did a lot of max protection, and they, they did not want those edge rushers to control the football game, which I can understand. The running game, I think, helped out a little bit too. Uh, but on, you know, the drive, the last touchdown drive, when Tyler Boyd caught his 42-yard touchdown pass, they had two receivers in a route and just leaked it back out late. I mean, you know, they had, you know, seven, maybe uh, six or seven defenders covering two guys. It was it was crazy. But the scheme of the play, you know, won the day. They gave the route that was run was going to take some time. So they wanted to max protect to make sure that any had the time and hope that the that the scheme of the play would, would work, and it did. Tyler Boyd was wide open. They blew coverage and uh, scored a 42-yard touchdown. So, you know, I think I think that at times when guys were asked to block one-on-one, they did a good job, but I think schematically they changed things up a lot where, you know, he, t- defensive end getting slammed by a tight end one time, chipped by a running back another time, and hitting him from all angles and didn't just not let him tee off straight line to the quarterback like that all day long. We have seen fast running quarterbacks in the NFL before. Michael Vick obviously comes to mind, Lamar Johnson right now. I'm not sure that I've seen one as shifty when he takes off and runs as Kyler Murray. I think Michael Vick falls into that that category a little bit. I mean, RG3 was a straight line track guy. He was a hurdle champion. You know, he didn't have the, you know, that short space quickness that, you know, that dipsy do to him. I mean, this this guy is fast twitch. You know, some guys can make you miss but can't run away. Some guys can't really make you miss but can eventually run away. This guy can make you miss and run away. I mean, he's special. He's like, he's as good as a lot of running backs in the NFL. You know, you wonder, though, at the quarterback position, he's got some design runs and some runs where he's just scrambling. I mean, the one run that was huge was when Lawson went upfield hard and Geno took an inside rush, and he saw a lane that just was too tempting. I mean, he saw green grass and just hit it. And, I mean, hit it, he hit it right now. He is explosive. Uh, in terms of his feet and his throwing arm, and he's accurate. I mean, he put the ball in some tight spots, and got to tip your cap to the kid. He's he's really, you know, he's really a, a fine quarterback. But uh, you know, you, you just can't give up 266 yards rushing in the National Football League. I don't care who is at quarterback and running back. You just can't do it. The Bengals didn't score a touchdown in the Pittsburgh game and didn't score one in this game until four minutes and eight seconds to go. Then they scored two in a span of two minutes and eight seconds. Is there a logical explanation for why they were able to just flip a switch and suddenly be productive on offense? You know, I asked that same thing. And, you know, the touchdown drive uh, before the one that tied it up, I mean, Arizona was bringing their blitz packages. I mean, they were coming. Andy was taking hits and just getting rid of the football. It wasn't like they were playing prevent defense and saying, check it down. I mean, they were they were bringing their stuff. And the Bengals picked it up. And, you know, then Tyler Boyd has two big plays. And, you know, one of them a 42-yard touchdown. Two receivers were out in that route. They were so concerned with blocking the edge guys, and they should, Suggs and Chandler Jones. And then the back slid out late, slipped out late, but it was a little roll to the right, little throw back to the left, you know, beyond the middle of the football field and fooled the safety, and he got fooled badly. Tyler Boyd was huge in that last drive, and he ended up with 10 catches for well over 100 yards, but his first five catches, I think, went for like 25. And then he really turned it on at the end, as did Andy Dalton. I mean, Andy Dalton's first half numbers, nothing to write home about. But as the game ended, he's got a quarterback rating 107.6, 27 out of 38, 262, two touchdowns, no interceptions. After the game, Zach Taylor made a point to walk around the locker room, to go up to every guy in front of his locker, embrace him, say something to him. I'm not sure I've seen that before. What does that say to you about Zach Taylor and the relationship he's trying to build with these guys? Yeah, I think that's the big word is, you know, relationships and uh, culture and all the things that go along with that. But, man, 
you just got to win games. At some point, you have to win a football game. And three of their five games, they've either had a lead or have been tied late in the football game, two on the road, one at home. And right now they're 0 for. They're going to have to really examine. Uh, every player is going to have to examine it. Every coach is going to have to examine it. What can I do to make that one more play that we need? Um, and so far it hasn't happened. And, you know, as everything's a habit. Winning's a habit. Losing can be a habit. And you fall into the bad habits. It's hard to, hard to get rid of those bad habits and then start establishing the, the good habits. The first thing you have to do to establish the good habit is to win a game. You know, and right now they're in a, in a – you know, a, a vicious cycle of a bad habit of losing football games, whether it be close football games or games that aren't so close. Up next, a road game in Baltimore and another speedy quarterback in Lamar Jackson, not Johnson. The Ravens are 3-2 and two after an overtime win in Pittsburgh on Sunday. Now time for this week's Fun Facts interview where we get to know the person under the pads. This week, it's a member of this year's rookie class, who, among other things, is known for being the best ping-pong player on the roster. Time for some fun facts with Bengals quarterback Ryan Finley, and it takes about five minutes of lazy internet research to find out that you basically have excelled in any sport that you have ever played. Football, basketball, tennis, ping-pong. But let's start with hockey, specifically roller hockey. Yeah. You were on Team USA as a kid, that sounds like a pretty big deal. Tell me about it. I, I just grew up, that was kind of my first sport. I grew up playing hockey. My dad played. He grew up in Minnesota, so that was kind of his sport. Um, played since I was a really young age and loved it. And I don't, I don't really even remember when I, what, what age I was when I was on Team USA. It was, I was pretty young, but uh, it was fun. I, I think actually hockey has helped me a lot and kind of just, uh, you know, playing sports throughout my life. So I think there's a lot of... A lot of really great things while playing uh, hockey, so that was a fun time. Did Team USA travel a lot? Yeah, we actually went to we went to Canada. Hmm. Was kind of like our big um, international tournament um, that we went over. So that was that was a that was a big deal at the time. Does your dad still play hockey? Absolutely, he plays um, he plays a lot. He plays ice hockey most of the time, but. He also will play roller hockey too. I, roller hockey is a little bit more fun, and uh, and I think me and my dad's opinion, just because you play four on four, and there's, it's a lot more, um, a lot, lot more puck handling and kind of a more, I think more skill, I guess you could say at, at that at their level. Um, you know, and ice hockey is just a little bit more uh, kind of bashing and dumping the puck <laughs> in, and you know more strategy, I guess. Where where roller hockey is a little bit more of just the the skill set behind it. You're from Arizona. You're on a state championship basketball team. Had a 37-point game apparently, where you didn't miss a single shot. I missed one shot. You did miss one yeah, shot. So that shot. that has been incorrectly reported. That was I, I don't know where that came from, but I missed one shot. Yep, I was, it was like 13 for 14 or something like that. All right, we are setting the record straight for people that see that online. But in any case, it sounds like you could have played college hoops. Why did you choose football? I, I, in my mind, I like to tell myself I could have. I, I'm going to go with that for until the day I die. I'm not sure if I, if I really could have or at what level I could have, but um, we're going to go with that. So we're definitely going to go with that. Well, you definitely chose wisely. You had a great college career, and now you're playing in the NFL. You started your college career at Boise State, and before you ever got started there, you had to have rotator cuff surgery. Mm -hmm. Freshman year of college is hard, period. When you go there and you can't really take part in the thing that you're going to, to school to do, how difficult was that? Yeah, I think just the, you know, the 
timeliness of kind of what happened, just being hurt in that, that time period where you want to be making friends and showing what you can do, you know, at the next level and kind of being in that red shirt program and lifting weights and getting strong. So I kind of, I kind of missed out on that, um, which was definitely hard on me kind of starting. So I got off to a rocky start, um, but, you know, it's all worked out and my, my shoulders, you know, been healthy. So it was a, it was a very successful recovery. So, you know, everything happens for a reason. So uh, I was definitely looking back on it. It was a, it was a good experience. You overcame that, and then your redshirt sophomore year, you won the starting job, mm-hmm. only to break your ankle in week three. And I read an interview where you more or less admitted you didn't handle that very well. No, I, I mean, I just had I had tried, you know, so hard to come back and recover, and then it's just like game three, getting hurt. Um, you know, just the, kind of the situation was, was one that, uh, you know, Brett, we, we knew, you know, I was going to play well. We knew Brett was going to play well, and so it just kind of – it turned out how it did, but, uh, you know, having said that, it uh, was one of the best things I think has ever happened to me because I wouldn't have ended up at NC State, and um, my career at NC State and just the people I met there was, was awesome, so I uh, had to break my ankle to get there. But. <laughs> We're doing fun facts with Ryan Finley. So you transferred to NC State. You start there for three years. What did the fresh start do for you emotionally? Um. I did a lot. I think just going in, I just went in with a with a different perspective. Uh, I was hurt, and at that point, I just wanted to play. And it was pretty simple. So uh, I was just going to do what was necessary to play. I think uh, I took some pressure off myself in that in, in that regard, and just kind of wanted to literally just play football. And I didn't have really you know many goals outside of that. So uh, I, I was just, I think I was just able to focus and um, was able to you know use some of the things I learned at at Boise State and my, my new start and also just um, yeah just kind of a, a new focus and it helped that I, I knew the offense um, and that wasn't something that I had to spend a lot of time on uh, just you know because my coach uh, went from Boise to North Carolina State so I could kind of just come on come in and, and focus on other things so that helped a lot. After a couple of really good years at NC State you could have gone pro I'm sure you would have been drafted you already had a couple of degrees at that point but you decided to go back uh, with a sixth-year eligibility mm-hmm. and play another year at NC State. Why did you want to do that? We just had we just had a lot of a lot of guys coming back uh, on offense, and I thought it was just uh, it was kind of a special opportunity. And uh, why why not one more year in college? So I you know just had friends coming back. Had you know guys like Garrett Bradbury, our center uh, at the time, AJ Cole, our punter, and just Woody Cornwall, our quarterback. So just a just a lot of friends and. Um, that was just a weird deal. I think, you know, when you when you have that decision uh, to leave early or not, I feel like you can get behind the process, which is, you know, picking an agent. There's all kinds of stuff just, like, mentally where I feel like you can get a little bit behind uh, if you haven't made up that decision. Um, so it was just, I don't know. It just it felt better. I felt better about going back. And I obviously knew I, there was a lot to improve on. There was a lot of team goals that we had uh, yet to accomplish. So. Worked out well for the Bengals. They drafted you in the fourth round. And after you got to Cincinnati, quarterbacks coach Alex Van Pelt made a change in your footwork. When you take a shotgun snap, you have your left foot forward now instead of your right, which sounds like nothing to most of us. But it's a big deal to a quarterback, isn't it? Um, Yeah, I think it is. um, It's helped for me. I think a lot of guys just kind of find what they're comfortable with. But... um, I've been back and forth throughout my college career and kind of found that uh, I like the left foot better. And then, um, you know, Alex has really helped me with just kind of honing in on kind of what happens after the stance, kind of just the timeliness of the NFL game 
which is a lot different than, than college. Just everything's kind of based off of the timeliness of your feet. So that's helped me uh, a lot, just, just be on time and um, kind of just helps you get through your progressions and with a little bit more ease, just kind of knowing that your feet will talk to you. A few more fun facts for Ryan Finley. Rumor has it you are the number one ping pong player on this Bengals team. Is that the case? And uh, if so, who can provide competition? <laughs> Well, it's it's definitely the case. <laughs> um, I I play Andy a lot, uh, so me and Andy, des- especially during OTAs and training camp, we were playing quite a bit. Um, and then we actually we went out and we ordered. We we needed to elevate our game, so uh, we went on ordered some paddles, some nice paddles from uh, this website called Killer Spin, <laughs> and. Um, it, it, my game's really taken off even more since I since I got that new paddle. So I, I'm looking to in the off season join like a like a ping pong club or some some sort of where I can go play some pickup table tennis. Um, because really the only person I can really play is, is Andy here. So and Andy doesn't always he has got other stuff going on sometimes. Or I'm, I'm always looking for a game. So uh, uh, yeah, I, I love ping pong and, and really our locker room's really into it, which is fun. So. They got uh they got like a board back there where they're they're keeping tallies of who beats who and who on what date and by how many. So it's pretty fun. If I start playing again, I'm going to kill or spin to make sure I have yep. a good paddle. Yep. You've got a younger brother, Ben. He's a high school senior, and he's going to follow in your footsteps and play at NC State. How exciting is it for you to follow him? Uh, it's going to be super exciting. He's, his his plan is to graduate early after uh, he finishes this year strong. Um, and so that'll be fun to just have him there. Kind of in back of my mind, my plan's always been to kind of um, in the off seasons be be close to Raleigh, if not in Raleigh. So um, you know that's all the more reason for me and kind of my family to to be out that way more. So uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a lot of fun. All right, last fun fact for Ryan Finley: Your birthday is December twenty sixth. My little sister was born on the twenty eighth and always hated the fact that her birthday and Christmas were so close together. Yeah. What about you? Um, I like it now, and I'm, I'm cool with it now. And, my, you know, my parents, they never shorted me. I never felt like I got shorted. <laughs> um, but there were a couple years when I was younger that, uh, you know, obviously having no money, being, you know, 12, 13 years old, it, you, it's basically just the money you get is the money you got for Christmas or your birthday. So... There was a couple of years where I I celebrated my birthday in June, like with my sister, just so I would have like kind of a more of a, a steady income, I guess, of <laughs> of, of Dick Sporting Goods gift cards and, and gift cards. So, but I, I you know it's it's fine now. I like having my birthday in, in December. It's kind of like the you know you wait for Christmas for so long, and then it's kind of that like come down when it's like damn, we waited for two months and now it's over. That's my birthday. So I. I, get to, I don't get quite as sad when Christmas is over. I'll remember to wish you a happy birthday in the final week of the season. Appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you. All right, that's Ryan Finley. We want to remind you to come out and join us on location for a radio show this week. On Friday afternoon from 3 to 6, we'll be at Buffalo Wings and Rings in Fairfield for the Bengals Pep Rally Show. A Bengals player joins us in the final hour, and we'll know who that is later this week. That's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. If you haven't done so already, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean. And if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. Those five-star ratings help more Bengals fans find this podcast. 
I'm Dan Horde, and thank you for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.